You Eleanor, swore we quiet. would never. We need have to be to quiet. We don't have you to do anything. It. Quiet. Stop. We need to stop. We don't have to do anything. Sir. You helped to create this world. How long did you think it would be before it came for you? Every government makes room for exceptions. This one ends with both of you on the wall. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Resisting Gilead. I am your host, Gina. Today, we are joined by John Wambacher, who is a member of the Daily DVR podcast community. And today, we're going to be discussing Season 3, Episode 10, which is titled Witness. Hi, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Gina. I'm excited to talk about the show. Great. I'm glad to have you on. So... I don't know. Um, This is really kind of the first time you and I have talked about the show. And so I'm curious before we launch into the episode, what's basically your overall perspective of the show and and why do you continue to watch it? Because I know, I know this is a hard show for a lot of people to watch. Sure. Yeah. So um, I did watch it from the very beginning and um, I hadn't read the books or anything or the book, I should say it, but um, after, uh, the second season when the second season ended i uh did start listening to the uh audiobook of it which is great if you ever get a chance to uh, actually listen to the audio version it's pretty cool because they um they kind of break it down uh so it really emphasizes the fact that they were tapes that uh the story's constructed from oh interesting so kind of cool you should you should check it out if you haven't yeah i haven't no i'll definitely have to do that at some point very interesting and then, um, but you're right about the show. I mean, uh, it's a super stressful show, obviously. Um, my wife, like, refuses to, she, she's not that into watching dramas anyway, let alone this subject, because she's, um, yeah, she's, she's, <laughs> she's totally traumatized by the last uh, th- two, you know, two and a half, three years now, so, which I totally understand, but um so I, I kind of watch it, uh, watch it for her and Lou, I guess. And, um, but no, I, every uh, Tuesday night at midnight, I wait until the episode drops and uh, start watching it right then. Um, and uh, you had asked me uh, in an email, like, uh, how did I feel about the end of last season? And um, it's kind of funny because I remember that, and remember watching that last episode so specifically because I um, am laying up in bed with my phone and my wife's awake next to me. And um, of course I have like earbuds in and I'm watching those last like 15 minutes of the show. And I'm just like, I'm just making audible grunts and Oh no, go wait. No, no, go, 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 no, stop. Yeah. I'm like, I am like totally animated during this thing. And my wife is looking at me like, Oh my God, what is he, what is going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, I, I can't talk right now. There's stuff is happening, you know? And so I was totally, uh, totally in that last 15 minutes, like for my life. And uh, I personally wasn't disappointed by the end of the last season. I mean, it made sense. I was like, you know, uh, understand why she, why she didn't go. I think, 
I think now hindsight this season, it's a little bit like June, you probably should have gone. But um, uh, at that moment, I was like, okay, I, I can accept the fact that she, uh, she sent off uh, uh, the baby. But yeah, um, no, it was. And I asked you that because I remember someone that, that talked about handmaids and their, I think their top 10 shows of the year when, when Axel put out that call, someone is like, the Handmaid's Tale, except for the last five minutes. And I couldn't remember if it was you or not. But um, I, I'm, I'm also a very um, audible TV watcher, I guess. I really like talk to the TV and yell and exclaim things. And I just remember when she took out that picture of Hannah, I'm like, she's not going to go. I'm like, she's not going to go. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it is a doozy. So this episode, I kind of wanted to start out with some of the production stuff. And, you know, I realize I don't, I've talked about the acting a lot. I talk about some of the shots a lot, but I've never really talked about the music. And I always think the music is phenomenal. I think even just from the first season, the way that they would choose to end some of the episodes with you know, for me, kind of a popular song of my youth that's super recognizable or, you know, some kind of jazz standard I'm really fond of. But um, I think these last two episodes stick out in my mind so much because, you know, the last episode we had it starting with Belinda Carlisle's Heaven on Earth. Sure. Um, which was kind of whole, you know, laced into that episode in a very interesting way. And then... I'm not sure of the piece they were playing at the beginning and the end. I know the end was kind of a glorious, uh, Gloria and Excelsis Deo, but um, I just loved how dramatic it was, particularly as June was like March limping towards the house. Yeah. That funny part about that, uh, that part, I was like, she is so anxious to get there. It was so funny. Like um, she was like having to be practically held back from uh, marching up into the house and I think that was Beethoven, uh, the beginning piece, but I, I can't remember now which, uh, which piece it was. Yeah. And I guess the fellow that oversees the music for the show is someone named Adam Taylor. So I'm going to do a little bit more research on him later, just because I think what a kind of an amazing job to have, particularly for this show. And I feel like this year they've even got, and maybe it's because we're in the Lawrence household and I feel like it's a household that embraces art and music much more. I mean, we know he's got his mixtape background, but I feel like some music has been even more kind of interspersed with the episodes versus just, just leaving it as a benchmark um, to start or end one. So um, yeah, very interesting how, how the evolution of music in the show has progressed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he made the tapes for her in the, in the past and um, uh that's all is going to play into uh, the entire story. I mean, and again, like one thing we haven't, I, and I've noticed you haven't really mentioned it much in the, um, in the podcast though, is uh, how the tapes, which they finally revealed, you know, in an episode this, this season uh, is uh, a way that uh, her story gets communicated and it's interspersed with music. Um, the, the, the audio tapes, because she's recording them off of, um, 
like existing audio tapes. So mm. it's kind of interesting. You have like musical cues. Uh, that's the way the, the audio book is. There'll be like musical cues that are cut off by her pressing the record button. And like, then you have like whatever, like whatever 15 or 20 minutes of, of her uh, uh, narration. So it's, it's pretty cool. I'm definitely going to have to check out the audio book. I'm super intrigued now. The, um, the other thing that uh, at some point in our conversation, uh, it'd be kind of interesting to see what we, um, uh, where we think the story is going to go since we're so far um, away from the book at this point, there's little glimpses and they fill in some, some shades here and there uh, from, from the, from the book. But um, it's like, uh, it's, it's its own thing, obviously, uh, but it's just something to, for maybe us to discuss maybe at the end. Yeah, no, let's definitely do that. I think it's, it's, this show's really interesting because I do feel like the first season was a very good representation of the book. And I've read the book twice. I read it once back in college and then I read it probably after season one came out. I did a reread of it and Margaret Atwood is coming out with another book this fall. I think it's called The Testaments that is kind of the sequel to this. So yeah. let's, let's definitely talk about where we think the story's going. And then while the new book is supposed to be a sequel, it's not necessarily supposed to have the same characters in it. So I'm super curious of how... I'm actually curious because she's very involved in the production. Once that book comes out, how much is in that book that we've already started seeing in Gilead? I think that'll be an interesting yeah. Yeah, thing yeah. to maybe readdress uh, when the book is out in the fall. But yeah, let's, let's talk about where this is going a little bit more at the end. So June, yes, is super anxious to get up those stairs back into the household and you know, she's met by the Martha, whose name is, I believe, Sienna. And the first thing that becomes very clear is changes have happened. And Aunt Lydia comments on it right away. And, you know, some of the markers we see are very visual, which is they're now uh, following the, the new decor regulations, which I guess this is something that Fred has put in place. And you know, all the artwork is gone. And I believe Eleanor was an art professor and she liked having those on because she likes beautiful things. And, and we also see that Joseph's office is in a complete state of disarray, I guess, because they had to, I guess they removed all the books from his. Yeah, from that library kind of room. Yeah, yeah where, he, where he had the meeting with all the other um all the other commanders that day where he basically kind of humiliated June uh, by making her fetch a book. But, um, so those are kind of the visible cues. And then from an emotional standpoint, you, you know, we hear Eleanor kind of screaming up in her room and, you know, it turns out that she can't get meds. And that was, that was something I'd wondered about before was if she, if he was able to have access to medicine for her, it, it sounds like maybe not that the herbal tea had kind of been working, but that perhaps it depends on what her condition is in terms of how well that tea works. Yeah, I kind of got the vibe that maybe that was kind of um, one of the major factors that has, that caused him to essentially turn the blind eye to the Martha network because 
I kind of feel like she maybe she had been getting the medicine uh, through them. And then maybe it's the crackdown. Maybe it's some of the other things that have happened is uh, over the course of the season, the crackdown on all the Marthas that have been executed, uh, that it's kind of dried up for him. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, but that's how I interpreted it, that he had been getting it through, through the network, but the network's drying up now because of a lot of different reasons. Um, yeah. 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 And I think he's becoming a person. I mean, who knows, how, you know, who knows how information in the network flows, but I just remember that scene with Aunt Lydia really questioning what's going on in the household at the Lawrence's, um, that it's very unorthodox. And, you know, I think if that is something that ends up getting through the network, then, yeah, they would be shunned perhaps a little bit more. So, um, I think it's funny too, in the very beginning when, um, before they go in the house, uh, Aunt Lydia's, uh, I forget if she exactly what she says, says to June, but June essentially is like, says that, you know, through prayer that she's finally found her true purpose, which of course is, you know, yeah, she's found her true purpose, you know, busting out the kids. Um, and then of course she has those like crazy eyes to her. <laughs> she is turned into an art form, right? Where you look at her and you're like, Oh my, yeah. she, she's out for vengeance. She's, a little unhinged. Uh, so it's, it's all right there, I think. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she is a woman with a mission. And I think I, I noted as well, you know, she's uh, still a little bit crazy, but she's got purpose now, um, which I think can be a super powerful thing for an individual that really has purpose, whether it's crazy or seems unsurmountable or not. Um, you know, it could be a powerful thing. It can also be a very dangerous thing. I mean, yeah. you know, right off the bat, she asked Beth, you know, do you know Martha's that can help her get kids out of Gilead? And Beth just looks like at her, like, do you want to hang on the wall? Like you are absolutely nuts. And she is kind of, but I work with some PR clients and one of my CEOs always says that you know, people always tell him he's crazy and he's like, no super amazing idea that has changed the world does not start with someone else thinking it's crazy. And in some ways he's kind of right. Yep, definitely. And June loves sowing those seeds of, uh, of discontent and everything, right? I mean, like, or like setting little seeds out there for whether it was, you know, with the Martha or a little bit later when she's, uh, talking to, uh, uh, Commander Lawrence about uh, the state of the household and what's happening with uh, his wife. So she loves just starting the little seeds of, well, you know, you could do this or you know, whether it's a little bit of guilt that she lays on him or just an, uh, uh, a little bit of a crack to maybe see a way out. She like start, she throws that little seed out there to all the different people and just kind of walks away with that smile. Yeah. No, she is, she is very good at that. And something I thought was interesting is she, she actually did that with The Handmaid Alma this episode too, because, you know, just like Commander Lawrence in a way, it, you know, June walks into that grocery store and it looks like it's a place that's on lockdown. Everyone's kind of giving her the eye, like she's just as tainted perhaps as Commander Lawrence is. And 
Alma's like, you are not discreet. Like, you know, get away from me. You're bad news. But then June comes back with the information about her son. And, you know, June knows if she's going to get other handmaids on her side to help her, she needs to have the information that is going to inspire them to help her. And it's, it's information about their kids. Yeah, I thought that part was like June was as subtle as a Mack truck. Yeah. <laughs> she, that freezer is like the uh, uh, the watering hole up there. And uh, yeah, I, I was like, she's all out of, uh, I don't know what the, what the language part on this is, but uh, she was you kind can, of- It's free. It's explicit because sometimes I use clips from the show that are yeah. over the top. She's kind, of, she's kind of all out of the, all out of the fucks. She's, she, you know, she's done. Yes. She's not gonna. She's not mentioning words too much. She's pretty straight to the point. Yeah, she she gives zero fucks at this point, and um, and is willing to lay her life on the line to get kids out. Which, um, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's so interesting, and I just think it's you know, Commander Lawrence says to her at one point. I think when she first plants that seed about getting Eleanor out. Um, because she can't take Gilead anymore. Um, it's going to break her. And he's like, what do you know about how much someone can take? And it's just like everything. Yeah. Um, and she does now. I think that last episode was, you know, she hit rock bottom. And while she's not quite there anymore, she's still operating in a very uh, interesting place. Yeah. Um, yeah, one one that I definitely don't quite understand, but can imagine, you know, just based on the show. We know that June is putting this plan into operation. Something that I love, I love all the scenes between June and Eleanor. They have just this really interesting dynamic. Um, it's kind of like aunt and niece. But I also kind of thought just kind of the way this one rolled because they're both in this position where they're just like, we don't care anymore. We're just gonna like do what we do. And so I kind of nicknamed them the Thelma and Louise of Gilead because, you know, it's just June's really good for Eleanor. Eleanor seems to really like June. Um, I think after the whole, you know, June started being honest with Eleanor when they were going that one day to, to Brookline to try and see her daughter and Eleanor is into it. And, you know, at first she was like, so what are you doing in this office, June? And June's like, well, I'm trying to find information about handmaids. And she's like, Oh, well, that's not up here. She's like, let me take you to the basement and show you where to find it. It was just almost like a comedy routine. I loved it. Yeah. They're kind of, you know, like a, women on the edge kind of moment there. And then the fact when I was, I was laughing when June's like secretly moving around in the office and she's trying to get in the filing cabinet and she pulls out that gigantic scissors and somehow thinks that she's going to pick this little teeny lock with this big old scissors. And, that, and that's, and that's right when she, you know, when she came in, but it was so funny because it was kind of like, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to work June. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I mean, clearly she's, she's, some of her cylinders aren't firing quite correctly, like enough are to get stuff done. But uh, yeah, that, 
that was kind of funny um, as well. It's like, did you actually check the drawers for a key versus just the scissors? Because she didn't seem to rummage around in there that long either. So June goes down into this basement and she, you know, Eleanor shows her where the boxes are and she starts going through them and she finds her own file, which has to be really strange. Just, you know, she knew that Commander Lawrence knew a whole bunch of information about her. And clearly this is how, you know, they have files on everyone, just like they have files on the Marthas that she got to go through to pick. And, you know, I think probably the most sad thing about this scene is she comes across Janine's file and we find out that Janine's son, Caleb had died in a traffic accident several years before. And I was just like, gosh, poor Janine just can't ever even catch a break. It's just brutal. Just brutal. Poor thing. Yeah. Prayers can't stop car accidents. I think she says. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's true. And you know, that kind of, calls back to last week too and she's on her way out of the hospital and the little girl's like if you pray hard enough it'll save her and it's just like no you don't you don't get it <laughs> uh, it's the thoughts and prayers idea right uh yes yeah <laughs> it's the thoughts and prayers idea um which is so successful um <laughs> as we've learned time after time after time after time that part when they're in the basement and they're uh, going through the, and she's going through the files, there's a pretty good size info dump there too about time frames and how old uh, uh, her daughter is and when essentially, you know, like there was, I, I kind of forget some of the details right at the second, but it really did give you a time frame of what we've seen so far in the show, or at least so far that Gilead has been around and the age of her daughter and all that. So that was, that was kind of an interesting moment too. Yeah, because, you know, I, I, th I think I tried to put a time frame around it before, just based on um, of the number of pregnancies that of Michael had, yeah. of Michael, of Matthew, sorry. Um, but, and so I was thinking maybe around three to four years, but to hear, I think they said it's been five years. I mean, that is a huge amount of time. Yep. Um, which makes me think she probably, you know, you kind of imagine when she got to the Waterfords, she was probably almost 18 months to two years in at that point, just because she'd had another assignment at another house before then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, that's and, how I'd interpret it too. That, yeah, it's about two years, I think, that she had already, that it already happened. There'd been some time where, things had kind of normalized. You could kind of tell that some sense of normalization is normal as, you know, a totalitarian uh, patriarchy is, um, had set, set in place. So there was all kinds of protocols already there, but it was still fairly fresh, but there had been some time for sure. Yeah. Which when you think about it is also pretty disturbing that they successfully, well, I mean, I guess they're still fighting resistance in certain areas, even though supposedly they'd taken over the whole country, but that in five years, nothing has collapsed yet. And also that the Swiss government and anyone else who's trying to figure out how Gilead operates from an internal structure 
that they haven't been able to figure anything out. Um, I think they called it Gilead is like a black box. I think that's even more scary than maybe scarier than the fact that it's been up and running for five years is that no one has been able to figure out how it works and what its structure is. Yeah. It also makes it that much harder for any kind of government to have some kind of insurgency in the, you know, in the country because, you know, where's the head, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about Fred and his skeevy plans and obsessions, as I think I, I name them. So Fred's back in town. We see the first time they're in the grocery store, they get called for, I think what they were calling an inspection. And they do this other, you know, another weird like Hitler-esque display of the handmaids. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, for a society that wanted to take the burden off women and not have them be kind of objectified uh, as objects, you know, they still do a pretty good job of putting them on display, even if it's in a very different way than they used to. Yeah, it has kind of a, uh, the, the set, that seems to be a new set, right, where it's like a kind of an in the round kind of uh, look to it. And uh, this this season's had a couple big bigger sets I feel like they did like this one here and then loves and fishes and to a certain degree when I was when I look at it I, I've kind of felt like this season's had a little bit of a different visual look to it because of that like especially like the loves and fishes part of it I really felt like it used to be that the grocery stores were looked a lot more like small mom and pop shops that had been taken over and then now it's kind of been become more established in um like a government run to it. But um, I just, just an observation about that scene and the the architecture and everything with it. It has a very, you're right, a very Nazi like look with the banners behind the women. And so it's, yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. And it's been very, I feel like a lot of it's been more industrial this year too, particularly at the beginning of the season where she's dressed as a Martha and they're kind of going through the the city and it does seem more of kind of a, you know, industrial area, the laundries and, um, you know, just very gray. Um, you know, we even saw them transform DC to an extent as well. Yep. In that kind of, you know, very Hitler-esque propaganda type of way, but they're out there in this formation on display. And it's because Fred and high commander Winslow and Serena are in town and, I mean, he is just such a sleeve. He's so obsessed with June still. He's, you know, comes up to where, oh, you know, I can have you transfer down to DC where the weather's warmer if that's what you want. And it's just like, dude, that is the last thing she wants. Well, I, I, I love her response to that proposal. Uh, your wife's here, or uh, you know, your wife's arrived, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was great. That was a great moment. Just like, um, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. He's, he's pretty skeevy. And, you know, you could tell he's, he's just really bothered by kind of anything that is around June when he's not. It seemed like he was bothered by the fact that 
you know, Commander Winslow um, mentioned that he, you know, he was friends with Commander Lawrence, that they went way back. And, um, you know, when asked how she likes the Lawrence household, she probably makes the mistake of saying, oh, you know, he, I, I'm respected by him and I'm grateful to be in his service, which, I mean, yeah. What did you think of that? Like what yeah, kind of yeah, cue did that send to Fred? I think she says, you know, he treats me with respect, sir. And that was like the wrong answer in Gilead. I mean, women don't get treated with respect. I mean, that's like, that was like the red flag. I mean, Fred had the bad look on it, but I don't think um, uh, Winslow looked any better about like this idea that that's how she's going to describe uh, her commander is that he treats her with respect. Right. So yeah. that was, that was a really telling moment. And yeah, that that's not, that's not what's said normally. Yeah, um, no, I was, I was almost kind of waiting for her to say, he treats me with respect, just like you did, you know, kind of to mm-hmm. throw it off a little bit, but, but she didn't. And I don't know. I think Fred is so hard for me to take, like, he's always just been, I don't know. So like, unpleasant to me kind of like a visceral reaction I've had to him even since the beginning and it's crazy because when Joseph Fiennes played Shakespeare and Shakespeare in Love 20 something years ago I was just like oh he's so like handsome and romantic and so full of life and so I think it's a testament to how great of an actor he is but he just he's just like makes my skin crawl uh, he's getting, in he's giving, giving men with with beards a bad name. <laughs> yeah, you know, I even noticed that his beard kind of looked very greasy, and yeah. like, I don't know, he had some kind of product on it. I was just like, ew. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. curious. They made a reference in that scene. They're talking about like the state of you know whatever the Boston area, and they reference um, the Calhoun incident that it's better, it's been better since the Calhoun incident. Do you think that was the bomb? Um, I think that was the incident in the grocery store with of Matthew when he went nuts. I think the Calhouns were the family she was assigned to. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And then she mentioned, you know, that the baby was doing well and that there have been two more pregnancies since. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it was that. Um, yeah, I think it was that. I also noticed that they mentioned that they're considering rolling out the rings and the veils in oh, yeah. this region, which... Um, right now, it's just by, um, what did they say? It was just like a a pledge, or I forget how, how they were framing it, that it was voluntary right now, but, you know... I, yeah. I, I can't imagine that's how it really how, how it really gets rolled out in the end. Yeah, no. Um I I I have a feeling that of those women that we saw in DC that probably a very small fraction decided to do that voluntarily would be my guess. Like maybe to initially take a vow of silence and wear the veil, but the rings in the mouth is something completely different. Yeah. So Talking a little bit more about Fred and Commander Winslow and Serena, um, they're in this very modern looking 
hotel room, I guess. Um, it's hard to tell what that setting really is. Serena's really kind of weighing in with her opinion and, you know, Winslow gives her this really interesting look and I'm like, how do we interpret this look? Is it he's shocked that she's voicing her opinion because she's a woman? Does he find her attractive? Is she, is he starting to wonder if, if she's the brains behind Fred? I mean, so many different interpretations of that look which I think uh, he's great at, but I don't know. What did you think of this, this scene here? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like there was a, there's a lot of different ways to interpret his look, curious look he gave her as she was kind of speaking up and, and giving ideas. Right. And he, um, to me at first, I think there was def- there's definitely some uh, being put a ba- put back, like um, that it's not her place to be talking about it like that. And then she kind of senses that in him. Right. And, he gives her kind of a look and she steps it back a little bit about it's something about how men sometimes forget their place or forgets. I forget exactly the, the phrase she said there, but then he kind of accepts what she says because uh, she kind of made it a little more folksy or something along those lines so that he wasn't as threatened by it. That's kind of how I took it. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of um, some good face acting in that scene. Uh, so yeah, it was interesting. And it was interesting, and this is really where, you know, the whole Fred's trying to throw Commander Lawrence under the bus and, you know, says something like, oh, there are ways to test virility. And then, like, you know what? I don't think anyone ever checked the time to make sure you could actually reproduce, because I know that's something in Gilead. It's it's only the women that are barren. It's never the men that are sterile. And you know, we hear it once from a doctor and June's just like, that word is forbidden. <laughs> you know, I just thought it was really like pot kettle black. And it is kind of weird. Like I can't quite figure out all of Fred's motivations, exactly why he wants to take Lawrence down so bad. If, it, if it's just because he's jealous of the fact that June's his handmaid right now, or is it something more political where he's wants him out of the way so that, what he's the the big cheese in the uh, New England area or something along those lines. It's it is kind of strange to understand all of his his motivation because I mean he's definitely trying to take down Lawrence, but um, I don't know. It's it's not pr- totally clear to me. Yeah, it's not totally clear to me either. I think first and foremost, it does have more to do with June. I do think in and the main reason I, I feel this way is because I think Fred even kind of said to her last season, like, you know, you could stay here. We could try again, try for a boy this time. And I just think he's got a really warped reality about what that relationship means to her. And I think, uh, I think he does have a really strange obsession, obsession with her. That said, I do think he is also very power hungry and has used this opportunity during his time in the Capitol to basically recover his reputation because I think he was taken down a peg initially after the stealing of the baby and the burning of the house. Because I think if anything, that shows how 
unfit he was to lead his household. His household was in a complete state of disarray. And, you know, that association means that he's unfit to lead Gilead. So I think he's trying to recover that rep at the same time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like the, the most unsuccessful, successful uh, commander. I mean, he's the person who does the, um, uh, who's talking when the, uh, uh, center gets blown up. And then, like you said, his, uh, his handmaid has, uh, ran away and been missing for months at a time, uh, when she was at the, uh, Boston Globe and tried to escape on an airplane. Then, I mean, it's like again and again, <laughs> I mean, he's bad yeah. luck. Well, and even before that, the handmaid before June hung herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Um, they've definitely had a very bad run, and the common denominator really is Fred in a way. Um, it really is him. Um, so, because of this questioning of Commander Lawrence's virility, uh, they decide that they need to go witness the ceremony. And this was pretty disturbing for a variety of reasons, but, um, you know, it's uh, Fred, Commander Winslow, Serena, Aunt Lydia. They also have like a pack of guards and a doctor with them that stays outside of the room for the, the scripture reading part. And, Thank goodness the the act itself, because um, you know, I mean, Joseph wasn't or Joseph wasn't far off when he said, "Oh, so you're gonna come sit on the bed and watch? That'll be interesting." Um, I was worried for a minute that they they were gonna watch. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we we got the uh, edit on that part of the story for sure. It was bad enough, but uh, I'm glad I didn't have to watch that again. Yeah, no, I was too. And I think, I mean, just the whole thing, it, it was safe to say that everyone member of the Lord's household was pretty horrified that this was going to happen because it had never happened before. And because it's never happened before, June, who's really the victim in this whole thing, has to almost direct people how to get through this. You know, she tells the Marthas where they need to be standing. She calms Mrs. Lawrence once they're up in the bedroom because they do have the whole conversation about, you know, we have to do this because if we don't, they're going to probably kill us all for not, you know, um, for resisting Gilead, basically. Um, But, um, you know, and and she basically gives these weird directions to Commander Lawrence just about, you know. It was Disassociation 101 from June, right? Yeah, yeah. And it kind of is like a huge callback to, you know, what he said to her at the very beginning is, you know, what do you know about how how much someone can take? And it's like, this is how she's learned how much someone can take. And this is how she's been surviving a lot of it, you know, so his question really came back to haunt him. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Like June has to take control 
of the whole situation uh, for everyone there. And, and she's the, and everybody's a victim, especially June. And then I love the line when they're upstairs in the, in, in the bedroom where she says, you helped create this world. How long, uh, how long did you think it would be before it came for you? Yeah. Well, and I mean, I feel like that's almost been a theme of the season with, you know, and the whole dialogue between June and, and, and Joseph this whole time. It's that actions have consequences. You know, he's, he's aware of some of the consequences and how that makes him feel and the impact on his wife. And now it's really like, these are his consequences. Like, this isn't just about the people around him anymore and, and what it's doing. It's like, well, now he has to be part of this thing. He created in a way that's much more intimate than I'm sure he ever wanted it to be. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Thank God we did not have to see this happen. Um, we just see kind of the after portion, you know, Joseph goes back downstairs. He doesn't address the guys sitting there, sipping their scotch in the room. Um, you know, Serena goes upstairs to try and comfort Eleanor. June has to get checked by the doctor just to make sure this whole thing really happened. And, you know, then, you know, Aunt Lydia comes downstairs and is like, it was very successful. And you just see this, like, the look on Fred's face. It's like the smirk disappears from his face momentarily. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He went stone cold. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's like, I was just wonder what he was thinking was going to happen up there that they would not do it. And they'd all be dragged away and maybe he'd be able to get June back or that June would resist Commander Lawrence in some way. Um, it was just, it was so weird. And then, you know, he's like, Oh, are you okay? And she's like, Oh yeah. At least it wasn't you. And then his face just like falls again. It's like, he's so brokenhearted. And I was just like, oh, sick burn. You go girl. Like way to stick it to that was him. The, that was the mic drop moment for sure. Yeah. And Serena heard the whole thing. Like, I'm just like, oh God, he is just so gross. He is so gross. And they kept the shot on him extra long after she says it and she does her mic drop on him and he's just standing there like devastated by it. Right. And doesn't like know what to do with himself. And they just held that shot for a long time. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something just kind of struck me, but I we'll we'll talk about it in a minute when Serena pops out that phone, but I just kind of had this weird, <laughs> another weird idea about Fred's motivations. I guess it's really just that, at this point, he seems more motivated trying to find ways to be able to see and or torment slash interact with June than he does trying to get that baby back. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. That's one of my things later on, too. Okay. Like, yeah. I, we can, Definitely. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we're kind of almost to this, this part. Actually, you know, we really, we really are there. How about this one thing? What did you think about the part where Lawrence is down there? Like, I can't tell if it's later that night or if it's in the morning, 
but and he's sitting there alone and he slides like the morning after pills to June. So do we think of our morning after pills or were they, it looked more maybe just like birth control. It was, it's hard to tell. And I guess I'm not up to date on the latest (laughs) in contraception, (laughs) but um, yeah. Uh, Well, you know, he, even when June had that discussion with Eleanor about how she always wanted to have kids, but her, her medications were always being adjusted and, and, you know, Lawrence didn't, uh, Commander Lawrence didn't want to, and and part of me almost thinks that he doesn't think this world is fit for children, and and maybe thought that before. I mean, and some people have some really strong views about bringing kids into a world that they don't think is a good world. So, I mean, yeah, it was hard to tell. Like, I I do think that he doesn't want her to get pregnant. And, you know, I think it's maybe for some of the reasons I just named, but I think also he understands how difficult it's been for her to give up her children already and doesn't, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, and it is their household a fit household to raise a child in with his wife so ill and him so strange. <laughs> I don't know. And I kind of assumed from that, from their interaction right there, when June tells him that, you know, the penalty for contraception is being torn apart by dogs, that she was kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I I kind of felt that way too. I mean, yeah, because I mean, if she took those and they decided to test her, I imagine that they would, you know, especially if it was birth control pills, there would be a certain level of hormones in our system uh, that would be detectable. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But going back to Serena and Fred and the phone and this scene, and, you know, this is kind of where I think the theory we were just talking about comes into play. But, you know, Serena has this, kind of come to Jesus with Fred about all the great work he's been doing for Gilead, but feels like he has lost focus on trying to get Nicole back, you know, and prioritizing himself, which, you know, he definitely has been. And I think this goes back to, you know, him trying to recover his reputation. But this is also when I thought, you know, it seems like everything he's been doing by instituting new kind of mandates and whatnot in the old region he used to live in and even going to visit, it's like, this is to see June, you know? Yeah, I was definitely like, my vibe is that he could give a hoot about Nicole. Cause I mean, he didn't, it's not like he was upset. Like when, you know, the baby got ushered out of the country. I mean, like he wasn't like wringing his hands, uh, you know, that his baby had just been stolen. Right. And it's, I just like, I don't get that vibe from him at all that he, he, I don't get a dad vibe from him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I don't either. And I mean, also the baby's not biologically his and, you know, I think it's probably, if anything, it would be another kind of constant reminder to him that June had this loving relationship with someone in his household that wasn't him when that's what he was striving for 
And I think as long as that baby is out of sight, then the whole fact of how the baby came to be is out of mind too. So he's definitely created a very interesting reality for himself in terms of what he thinks uh, his relationship is with June. So what do you think June, uh, not June, uh, what do you think when, what do you think Serena thinks that Fred can trade with the Americans to try to, to you know go to Canada and live there with the I don't like I'm trying to figure out like what's what's happening next you know this I think this is actually like for everything that happened in this episode I think this scene is actually could be a very interesting indicator of where it goes next especially for these two and you know I wonder I mean, the only thing he could give them would be that I think would be valuable is information about Gilead's infrastructure. To me, I think that is that seems to be what the Swiss government wants the most. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was something like that, that kind of information, or if it was, uh, I don't know, uh, giving them Lawrence somehow or giving him some other head of the country, uh, Winslow, or I don't, not exactly sure, but yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It's probably more of a, a tactical kind of information, but it's just an interesting because I'm not exactly sure what Fred's going to bring to the table to, to have it all pay off. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if he handed over a person like Winslow or Lawrence, I, I almost think that could be, depending on which one it is, could be even more valuable to taking Gilead down. I think if it was Lawrence, it could be more valuable um, because I think Lawrence is in a position now where he, you know, like it was interesting because Eleanor had said when June talked about how they could both leave, she and Joseph she said, no, he would be imprisoned for the rest of his life or killed because he's a war criminal. That said, he is a war criminal with an amazing amount, amount of information. So, I mean, that's even kind of what I was thinking when, you know, I think the first time Eleanor said, oh, he'd, he'd be imprisoned. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but he's got a lot of valuable information and I don't necessarily think they would kill him. I think they would try to get as much information out of him as they possibly could uh, in terms of how the government works and potentially how to bring it down. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to this, goes to the scene where June has that next conversation with Lawrence uh, about um, her real plan, right? That it's not just getting, uh, getting a, getting the wife out it's it's about getting the ki the kids out and that's going to be his bargaining chip to not being killed and yeah that whole point where you know like he says yeah i'd be a hero and you see that look on his face where you know that he, he knows that there's nothing there's no real redemption for him for what he's yeah. done he knows yeah. that there's no saving somebody that's you know you can't redeem a hitler-like character there's just no yeah you know, no matter no matter how much you try to make up for it it's the damage is done and he well, knows that. yeah and i think even if he was somehow forgiven for 
a little bit for getting those kids out. Like it's still nothing that I, I still don't think he can really live with himself. Do you know sure. what I mean? I think that's, yeah. that's his, his big struggle. But, um, but going back to this whole Fred and Serena thing. So this is, <laughs> it's so strange because I really felt like that phone was given to her for the specific purpose of her asking for help for herself, mainly perhaps getting out, getting out of Gilead. Um, I don't know if that phone offer was ever like to help get her baby back to bring it to a horrible place. Yeah. Um, and so this is why I'm like, is Serena trying to set Fred up? Because if he dials that phone and he's engaging with an American to try and get the baby back without the knowledge of the rest of Gilead, I mean, isn't that in some ways treason? I, you know, I don't know. It's like, I just don't think it would be well received by anyone in the command of, of Gilead. Um, I mean, I could have took it that at least my interpretation of that was that, yeah, I've got this phone. And to me, it was more of a way um, for them to get out of the country together. And somehow by getting out of the country, they could have some kind of relationship uh, with Nicole. I wasn't thinking that they'd really stay in the country because I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if he, if he works with the Americans to get the baby back, I think he's pretty much a dead man. And and I'm not sure how to interpret it. Now, before we go, you have a have have you watched the 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 trailer for the next episode? I have. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we can whether we, we want to on whether we're not. I don't think we're spoiling anything, but you know, there's some scenes with them that are very interesting. Yeah. It it does look like they're trying to leave somehow. Um, yeah. But I mean, the flip side of this is they leave the country together. Fred could be considered a war criminal too. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And honestly, I think if Luke got anywhere near Fred, he yeah. would probably kill him or at least beat him to a nice bloody pulp. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It, it's hard for me to tell where that whole thing is, is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. If it's very subtle, all the stuff, there's no spoiler that we've mentioned. It's just, a, it just looks suspicious, whatever's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, you know, people could, could tell from the, uh, <clears throat> just from this episode itself. We've kind of talked a little bit about the conversation between June and Eleanor and, uh, you know, potentially both she and Joseph getting out of Gilead, but um, it's, it's really after the ceremony when they're down having the drink that he says to June, I'll get you a truck if you can get my wife out of Gilead safely. And, you know, kind of one of the very small predictions I made last week is, you know, after I saw that trailer is I'm like, he's going to break, like, this is going to be a pivot point for him. Um, and it was. So we know she's got a truck. And then 
we have this very last scene um, where, so earlier in the episode, we learn that the Marthas have a secret baking code, which I love. And we learn that scones mean no. Um, if you've asked for something from the network, from Martha's, you, you know, you'll get back a, a basket of scones if, if the answer is no. But this time, June walks into the kitchen and Beth is standing there, like, just with this look on her face and looks at her and, and she goes, muffins mean yes. And we get the whole pan of the room and like there are probably 24 to 36 baskets of, of muffins everywhere, the island, the counters. And um, it's pretty exciting. And then we get like the great music and, you know, June gets her crazy eyes, but they're like happy, crazy eyes. And she's like, we're going to need a bigger boat. So it yeah. seems like it's game on, but um Anytime you can drop, anytime you can drop a good Jaws quote, I mean, I'm in for it. So that was, I loved the ending of the episode just because of, of dropping the Jaws quote. So that was, that was great. And I think that was also, um, I feel like that was a nice little uh, nod to Janine as well, because I feel like she's the one that is always coming out with the movie trivia or like kind of the movie slants. Like, you know, they talked about Alien and, um, you know, she's talked about being a space pirate and, um, yeah. I feel like there've been a few other kind of movie references that, that she's given from time to time. But, um, yeah. Um, so if you've seen the spoiler, um, the spoiler, <laughs> the, the, the pre sneak peek, I mean, what? I guess kind of like with this plan looking like it's going into action, do you think it's going to happen or not? Um, yeah, I think in the, I think it will, I think it'll be a good way to end the season. I think, I think we're going to, I, I think the major players like, uh, you know, Lawrence and I, there's going to be some people that are not going to make out this season. I don't think they're going to make it out alive. Uh, yeah. I think there's going to be some consequences. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. And this kind of also goes into uh, eventually what, when we want to talk about like where we think the series is going to go as a whole compared to the book. Yeah. Um, wh why don't we talk about that a little bit now? Because I mean, I'll say I'm in agreement with you that I think we're going to see some major players get executed or put on the wall um, before the season's out. And I don't know if that's Commander Lawrence or if it's Fred or um, I have I have a feeling it, it's going to be one of them. Um, I don't think it's going to be June yet, um, although she's definitely, you know, she's motivated. Um, but, you know, let's just hope she kind of cleans up her game a little bit because uh, we know she's gotten a little sloppy in the past. And if she wants to be successful at her plan her crazy plan. She also needs to be a little more uh, stealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I haven't, I've, I tried looking the other night, whether they've said whether there's a fourth season for sure. And I couldn't find anybody saying that it had been announced yet. I, have you heard? Um, I have not heard it yet, but I feel like I read an article at one point 
that talked about how they had a vision for this to be seven or eight seasons, but that there might be a big time gap in them somewhere. Um, so um, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything about a fourth season. Um, but I, I think it would be hard to wrap everything up, wrap the series up in, what do we have left? Three more episodes? Yeah, three episodes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they'll wrap it up either in terms of, um, uh, in terms of the whole storyline. Like, I think there'll be at least another season, but and this kind of goes to the book part, like with, um, in the book, you know, so spoilers for the book, I guess would, you know, like it, it's kind of an ambiguous ending to a certain degree in that like, they don't really get into like how, um, how June, uh, escapes or, or really even how far her escape is like whether yeah. she gets out of the country or not. But, um, I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, the conference part of the book, which is in the future when they're coming back and they're looking at the history of Gilead. I really am hoping that that happens in the series because that is in a lot of ways, the book is pretty small. It's not oh, a big yeah. book. And that section of the book is really some of the most interesting part of this of the of the book to me, because I mean, there's all kinds of cultural things going on and interesting things about the the future makeup of the world. And so, what what do you think about about that part of the book and how that might or might not ever get into the series? I mean, I think it would be really interesting if it got into the series and they did start doing a future look. It could even really be interesting if after the end of this season what if they almost started with that conference and then it's yeah and then it's even more storytelling because the one thing we do know is you know at least so far june is still in that house with the tape recorder and the tapes so you know there is potential for more of those tapes to get out uh, especially if she's starting to activate the Martha network in a way where children are getting out theoretically at the same time she could get out tapes too. Um, so I think that would be really interesting. Um, it would be kind of cool because I think they could, I think they could tell the conference story in that future kind of, and then they could have a flashback scenes or whatever to, to June escaping or facilitating whatever she does is in this kind of underground railroad uh, kind of fashion. And you could go back and forth. So it wouldn't have to be this really super awkward future jump that has none of the characters that you know in it. You could just kind of mix it and have it be flashbacks as they talk about the the tapes and the discovering of the tapes and who this woman was. And then you go to a, a, a real scene of, of, of June and what was really happening and stuff. I just think it could really like change up the series in a, in a really good way, I think. Yeah, no, I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. I wonder what they will do with that. I mean, it's always so surprising. I think that they've, 
continued this story in such a compelling way after the end of that book, because, you know, really everything is kind of left open to the imagination. And I do think this underground railroad streak is going to be very interesting. And I could even see a lot of those tapes being, you know, not just about what's happening in Gilead. Um, Actually, if she could get Commander Lawrence to make tapes about how the infrastructure works and start getting those out, that could be really cool too, because that's that's what the Swiss really wanted was some type of informant that could help them. But yeah, I think that, I think those tapes hold a lot of different possibilities. Um, yeah, Cause I think you can only, t- you can only, I think people can only take so much of, and this story is just so hard, right. To watch and subject matter is so, uh, you know, it just beats you down. And that's why there's so many people that won't watch the show because it's just like, it's just too much for them. And I can empathize with that and understand why they can't. So I think you can only do it so long where the storylines about, you know, this super oppressive patriarchy, because you've kind of told the story. So you need to come up with another way to tell the story or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. you can't have season after season of, you know, Martha's being hanged. It's not going to, it won't hold yeah. up. You know, what would be, I think a good kind of mechanism for the tapes is, I think this is also something, you know, based on how season two ended, you know, I guess they had a huge fight in the writer's room about June staying or going. And I just kind of think about how different this season would have been if she had got in that van and left. And I imagine that she would still somehow be involved in trying to take down Gilead. So if we know that she's not, she's trying to take it down from the inside, but Emily got out, Moira's out, Luke is out, and I'm sure a whole group of other people are wanting to get their loved ones and children out if they're still left behind. And so it could be really interesting for those tapes to still be getting to Luke and Emily and Moira and a group of higher level officials that they're working with and start seeing more from that side in terms of the people that have been in Gilead and escaped using the intel that's coming from Gilead and their own knowledge to crack it open. Yeah. Because we didn't, we haven't really got to see a lot from those characters this season. That's what I was just going to say is like, we have not been to Canada in like three, three, three episodes right now or, yeah. or so. So yeah. it's really like, I really have to see some Canada soon. Cause uh, I, I need to know what those storylines are doing. And they are, they're always uh, add a little vitality to the story. Yeah. Yeah. And a little hope to see kind of what, Canada's doing. And I loved the, earlier this year, they brought in the Swiss too, because, you know, the Swiss, the neutral party of the world, yeah. try to make sense of things. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to, stuff to play with for sure. Um, so do you have a sister resistor or Mr. Resistor of the week on the show or in real life that you want to do a call out to? Um, I would just uh, have it uh, 
be my uh, wife and daughter because they, they do a good job uh, in their resistance efforts. Uh, my daughter's uh, 12 and uh, my wife's pretty active in different things. So uh, they're my personal uh, uh, resistors. So I would, I would keep it in the family, I guess. Yeah, I think that's, that's really nice. Um, I think on the show, you know, definitely June, I think she's activating some people. I mean, maybe it should really go to the Martha network because that was a shit ton of muffins that they sent <laughs> um, in enthusiastic approval of this idea. Um, so I, I think, yeah, the Martha network for sure. Um, yeah. In real life, I mean, so there are a couple Mr. Resistors, I want to call out. The first is more kind of lighthearted and comical, but I always think the videos he produces are worth watching. Is um, Are you familiar with a, a character called Randy Rainbow? Oh, yeah, I love him. Yeah, so he came out with another uh, video this week, and it's to kind of the latest Jonas Brothers song. And I'm just like, what would we do without Randy Rainbow? You know, he is like the rainbow to get us through some of the darkest times. Um, and I just love that he's just keeps cranking out these videos and they're always so clever. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, and then, I mean, not well, the major political thing that happened this week was Robert Mueller's testimony yesterday. And you know, as controversial as it was, whatever, whatever side of politics you're on, I, I have to give him kind of Mr. Resistor credit because he really drew back attention to um, how the Russians were trying to infiltrate our elections and that they're still trying. And I think that is something, no matter who you voted for or plan to vote for, everyone wants to make sure their vote can count in some way, shape or form. And just to think that um, it, I guess it's good to know that there's a Patriot that is still extremely concerned about this and its impact on our future elections. And so I just wanted to kind of give that shout out to him. Great call out. Okay. So John, any other insights or things to bring up before we close not out really. okay not really i think we're going to have a, a crazy uh last act of the season so i'm, I'm looking forward to it it's going to be it's going to be a, a crazy three episodes for sure yeah i agree and i i am glad that we in spite of some of the events that happened in this episode that uh we had a very uplifting ending to it with um a whole lot of muffins and and um some great uh motivational music so well thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the show and um yeah have a great oh my gosh tomorrow's friday yay have a great rest of your weekend and um yeah thank you, thank so you for much. having me i appreciate it i'm loving the podcast and you're doing a great job Oh, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I did what you asked. The Marthas? Muffins mean yes.
I spread the word. I asked if anyone would help get children out. I thought they'd all say no. We're gonna need a bigger boat.